0: Now, I want you to now open your Bibles to our scripture for today, which is from Luke 19. And we're going to not read the whole um, uh, text there that that you have in front of you uh, or uh, behind me, Luke 19, 28 to 40. We're only going to be reading a few verses from that, so follow along with me. It's going to be projected on the screen. I'm dreaming of the day when I really... You know would' love to have like maybe pew Bibles like this one I bought this one and see if it can work for me I'd like to have maybe our church maybe purchase several uh, dozens of these and put it in the pews so right in front of you um, and then we're all going to be reading from the same scripture and there's something about theres something good about being able to open your own Bible or uh, you know a fiscal Bible It's good to have this yeah and I have that too and I have you know I have my library here as well, but it's good to really just you know, just open your Bible um, physically and feel the, uh, the, uh, the the pages, the the paper, and, and and hear the rustling sound. You know, of the of those pages uh, turning. So, um, but for now, uh, if you if you did bring your own Bible with you, or if you want, you can use the uh, uh, the pew Bible right in front of you. It may be a slightly different version from what I'm reading from, but it's okay. It's still God's word um so we're reading from luke 19 or you're, you know you can read also from your device that's fine as well or you can just uh, look up and it'll be projected right behind me luke 19 verse 28 and when he had said these things he went on ahead that is jesus going up to jerusalem this is exactly a, a week or around about a week uh before easter Right around this time, really, because Easter to us will be next week, uh, next, uh, uh, well, our Easter Sabbath celebration is next Sabbath. So this happens about a week after Sabbath, and we can um, imagine him coming all the way from Bethphage, which is about, it's, it's, a, it's a village close to uh, where Jesus Christ had been spending his time with Lazarus and Mary and Martha, about a couple of miles south of Jerusalem, and when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, there you go, that's the little town where those two sisters and brother, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, uh, that where they lived, at the mount that is called Olivet or the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you. Where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one had ever yet sat. You know what this means when he says no one has ever sat on this horse, on this colt. A colt is a young horse. This is a this is a um, a, cor- a horse that hasn't been broken. You know, I, I'm not a horse person, but those of you that have ever ridden on a horse, you don't want to ride on a horse that's never been broken, because it can buck and it can throw you, and you'll end up like Dave. (laughs) And Jesus Christ zeroes in on this colt of all things. So he says once again, verse 30, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why do you why are you untying this you you shall say this the lord has need of it and that's where we stop the lord has need of it now i want you to imagine this imagine this scene use a little bit of your imagination and kind of read between the lines as i said this is a cult never been written before and jesus christ zeros in on this cult and asks for it almost perhaps maybe by you know it, it doesn't give us a name of the cult but specifically this cult on his way to jerusalem to fulfill god's eternal plan of dying for you and me he asks for a specific cult to carry him up to jerusalem and um we know about uh, you know i you know as i said you know i Maybe I can, I, can, I can number with my fingers how many times I've, ri- I've ridden on a horse. The very first time was when I was just a little boy and my uncle, you know, had me ride behind him and there was no saddle on that horse. And I was hanging on for dear life Right, you know, behind my uncle, and as I was trying, and, and the horse was galloping one mile, two miles, three miles, four, I don't know where we were headed. I thought I was going to die. I, I thought the, the horse was going to buck and, and throw us off the horse. I did get thrown off a, a, of, of, of an animal uh, that I was riding years ago, and me and my cousins, uh, my cousins were playing, and, and my grandfather had this, you know, what we call in that part of the world, a beast of burden, A water buffalo have you guys ever seen a water buffalo before it's a huge animal black and two huge horns um but this is a domesticated animal so it wasn't gonna uh, well it's not a horse it's not gonna buck right and so me and one of my cousins one of my cousins who are twins uh, you know one of the twins my cousin edgar and me were you know riding this uh, beast of burden this water buffalo down to uh, uh to the river it was time for it to, you know, to have its daily routine of, you know, uh, getting some water or even swimming and, and or laying down there in, by the rivers, uh, by the river, or at the river. And so what happened was, the my other uh, cousin who was the tw- the other twin, by the way, their names are Edgar and Eddie. <sighs> I don't know why my auntie chose those two names because they're basically mean the same thing, right? Edgar and Eddie. Well, Eddie, Eddie came up behind the um, the water buffalo and spooked it and it jumped and we were thrown off that you know and and, and I landed I landed on my feet but then as the uh, as the water buffalo landed on its own you know feet it landed on my toe and it was very very painful so I could just imagine Jesus Christ you know, I don't know why he chose this unbroken horse to ride on that day. How dangerous that would be. I, 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 I researched this, that it takes about 30 to 60 days to break a horse. Is that true? Anybody here has ever, ever broken a horse? It's too late to break a horse that morning for Jesus Christ to ride on that colt. Too late for this ride anyway. But picture Jesus Christ picking you know, this particular colt. And riding on this horse. Picture, picture the young horse standing still as Jesus commands it to. Saddles that horse and uh, mounts that horse and commands that horse to walk, not trot or not whatever else they do. You know, trot or uh, maybe uh, gallop, but um, or even canter, but walk and the horse walks ever so gently and get this you know it was not like a quiet walk just jesus christ and this colt. you have line on either side of this of this road leading up to jerusalem from bethany or bethphage um you have crowds of people cheering jesus christ on waving those palm branches and and whatever else they're doing and this is a horse that's untrained and unbroken. But imagine this horse and Jesus Christ just kind of, you know, going up together, united as it were, as the horse takes Jesus Christ to Jerusalem where he, was, he, he is about to make a sacri- sacrifice for you and me. When we see this cold, when we imagine this cold, our minds can take us to humans, individuals... Who we could say may have discovered their calling and live and are living out their calling much like this, you know, this cult was was living out its calling. It was like this cult was born specifically for that time or for that hour when Jesus Christ called it and rode on it on its way on its way to Jerusalem. Imagine this cult, and we imagine ourselves. We imagine ourselves having discovered our own calling and living out our own calling and walking with Jesus Christ as he has commanded us to fulfill this, this, our calling and our lives. And we imagine as well people who have also discovered their own calling in their own lives and we imagine them living it out to the fullest. We read, we hear about people, uh, individuals such as, you know, such as the one I'm about to tell you now. A pastor by the name of Nikolai Panchuk. Russian or more likely Ukrainian during the time of you know the Soviet of Soviet Russia the communists were ruling the land and uh, one day he was um, taken from his house and he was um, taken by the KGB the uh, uh, the you know the, the secret service of of that country in those days you know about the KGB those of you that have lo- lived long enough to know about the Soviet Union and pastor nikolai panchuk it's one such person who ended up, just because of, he was a faithful Christian, an Adventist Christian at that, ended up for eight years in a place called Siberia. Never been to Siberia, but I heard it's a very lonely place, far away from everything, in a, in a huge country called Russia. So he ends up there as a prisoner of conscience, deported by the KGB for being a practicing Christian, an uncompromisingly practicing Christian there he was persecuted, and there he was harassed, and there he felt alone. He was taken away from all his friends, from his congregation, from his family. He didn't know how long he was going to be there, whether or not he's going to even survive that place. He had no idea. Persecuted and harassed and alone, he would, he would, you know, scream at night. He would, you know, he couldn't sleep for many nights on end, um, and he would, he would wonder to himself, will I ever see my family again? Is there anybody here that really would even notice me, that cares for me? And then, you know, I suppose when you get into uh, in a situation like that, you start questioning everything about you. You start questioning everything about what your purpose is in life. Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? When life gets really dark, you start to question everything about you. And then you, you have these voices whispering in your ear You're not that good. You're this and that. And suddenly, everything gets dark. And you cannot see an inch in front of you. And you think you're just one big loser. Have you ever felt like that? And you want to, you question your own purpose in life, much less. You know, you you, you start wondering to yourself... Did God put me here in this world for anything at all? What is my life worth? And so Pastor um, Panchak started having these, you know, voices in his, in his head. Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? And he discovers that his purpose in life is really you know, not something that is so uh, unique per se. Does it ever? Will, will, does it? Does it surprise you when I say to you that your purpose in life is not as unique as you think it is? Pastor Panchak there in Siberia for seven long years. These questions start to rise in his head, and and he doesn't know what to do. And at night he would he would. He would lie there, crying, panicking. I have no friend here. Nobody. I'm going to die here. And nobody will ever know I existed. Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? And he discovers what you and I perhaps need to discover if we haven't already. He discovers that his purpose has always been there all along. That it is not hidden like a needle in a haystack. And it is no different from your calling, your calling, your calling, your calling, and my calling. It is all the same. It is no different from the calling of every Christian in this world. And what is his purpose in life? He discovers that his purpose in life is to worship God deepen his relationship with him daily and to serve him with all his body heart soul mind and strength that's it and when he comes to grips with the fact that this is what he has committed himself at the beginning of his walk with jesus christ years ago when he became a pastor he may have lost it along the way and you yes you can Lose your sense of calling along the way. I know I have several times. My wife can attest to that. Many times in in times past when I would have it out with God and even question, why God? Why in the world did you call me? Why would you do this to me? Why would you let me go through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death? Why? Why? And our purpose in life is really one and the same for everyone. For you, for Pastor Panchak, for me. And it's a simple simple one indeed. To worship God, to be in a constant, deepening relationship with Him, and of course with others, and to serve Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And get this, there's something besides that. And it is to invite others to be who you are. So let me um, uh, reinforce this. Before I reinforce this, I wanted to tell you that the story of Pastor Panchak gets a little bit, a lot better as a matter of fact. As he comes to grips with his, you know, with these these questions in his head. And as he settles down and finally realizes that he's, you know, he's known his, he's known his, uh, um, his purpose in life all along, he's just forgotten it, or maybe, you know, he questioned it, that the Lord started answering his prayers. And one of the things that he did was he sent him a friend. The Lord sends him a friend, but it's not a friend that he expected. It was an ox. It was an old ox. And his name was Maxim. And this ox became his companion for several years in that God-forsaken place called Siberia. And what's so amazing about this this ox is not just that God brought this ox to him and made them inseparable throughout those years of banishment and imprisonment in that God-forsaken place. What God did was this. He had this ox be his constant companion as he started to live out his purpose in life, as he started to worship God, as he started to build relationship with God and and deepen his relationship with God and with others around him. And as he started to serve God and serve people around him, he notices something really, really uh, um, amazing about this ox. And what is it? He is a hard worker. But he's a hard worker six days of the week. On the seventh day, he refused to work. <laughs> and so you have the, this Adventist pastor imprisoned or deported to a God forsaken place for seven years, rediscovering his purpose, our common purpose as Christians. And not just rediscovering it, but recommitting himself to that purpose with all his body, with all his heart, with all his soul, mind, and strength. And once he decides to do that, God sends him a helpmeet. And it's an ox, an old one, that keeps him company throughout the week, that goes out with him witnessing. And then on on, on the seventh day, refuses to work. And it becomes... These two, uh, you know, friends, these two unlikely friends become strong witnesses of what it means to worship, what it means to have relationship, and what it means to serve. To the day this ox dies. And to the day when Pastor Panchak makes it out of Siberia alive and tells of his story. It's an amazing story, and you say, Why? Well, it's a miraculous story, we say. And it is true, it is miraculous. But you know what? There is something, there's a problem uh, sometimes. Why is it? We, we ask ourselves. Why is it that we sometimes, or a lot of times, question or have a hard time finding what our purpose in life is? Why is that? And I think that, you know, if I may say so, I think there are two reasons for that. There are many reasons, but I think there are two main reasons. Number one is that we think, as I said, I've said already, that sometimes we think that our purpose in life, our part in the eternal plan of God, is so unique that we have to search for it far and wide. And the second. Reason follows the first. And because we have to search it far and wide, we take our time and we say, you know, trial and error. And then we take our time to make a decision or even to even proceed and, and, and start looking. When in fact, as I said to, to you, that not to burst your bubble, you are still special. We are all still special in the eyes of God. And yet our calling is really intrinsically one and the same. Your calling is the same as mine. It's no different. It becomes different when you and me start to, you know, um, act on our calling. And, you, and, and then, and then you, you start to realize that as, as that happens, um, you know, God starts to, you know, um, make your calling a little bit different uh, than, than mine. Because your circumstances, your personality... Your circumstances in life and what have you, uh, you know, will be different from the others uh, beside you or before you or behind you. But our calling is basically and fundamentally all the same. Last week, you will remember that I illustrated this and uh, allow me to reinforce that today um, with, uh, you know, by... Repeating the, that illustration that I made last last week, as well as enlarging it uh, for you and me. So Jesus Christ says, "In um, go ahead and switch me over to uh, keynote, if you would, please. Thank you." In John, John chapter twelve, verses uh, verse thirty-two. Okay, is it coming? Because last week it was blinking. Not today. Praise the Lord. Jesus says in chapter 12 of John, verse 32, oh, it is. Oh, boy. And I, Jesus says, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Actually, that it's not just a wish. That in that text actually is found your calling and mine. That Jesus Christ aims to, wants to draw us to himself. And so here we are. If if I can illustrate that process as this. Jesus Christ right there at the center of this world, the center of everyone's uh, 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 existence or life. And we are these dots, these darkened beings in need of light, in need of a center in our lives. And Jesus Christ calls us one by one draws us to himself and as we spend time with him we realize that three basic things start to develop in our lives that are equally important and not mutually exclusive of each other we notice as we had you know as i had illustrated this last week or talked about it last week that when we read for example the life or or that that uh, uh that passage where you know lazarus and mary and martha were doing different things before jesus what we have in that uh, text in in luke or in john as a matter of fact in john 12 is the encapsulation of what it means to be to have jesus christ as the center of our lives the things that actually happen when we spend time with Jesus Christ, when he becomes the center of our lives, when he becomes our Savior and our Lord, when we follow what he says. Three things come out of that. And not a single one of these things are, in, are exclusive of each other, and they need to be developed over time. And what are they? You remember Martha as she... Serve Jesus Christ. You remember Lazarus as he spent time and developed that relationship with Jesus Christ. And then you remember Mary as Mary worshiped Jesus Christ. All of those things are happening. But to us as Christians, we need all these three things. And what are they? Here they are very, very, quite simply this is it, really to worship, to build relationships, and to serve. And to repeat this daily in your personal lives and to repeat this weekly with your church. Here. This is our home base. This is where everything begins. And from here, we pan out into the world. And then at at the end of another week, we come back to get recharged and hopefully as we come back we would have brought others with us as well. That's what it means, really, boiling it down to this. Here lies our common life purpose, our common place in God's eternal plan. Is there anybody here still searching for that plan or for, that, for their purpose in that plan? I want to say to you, your search is over stop searching it is plain as the noonday sun reveals it to us on a cloudless day and your share in that in, in that eternal plan is clear and it becomes different from others as you begin to exert yourself in fulfillment of this purpose in your life. So once again, the time for searching is over and the time to pick up our calling and commit daily, weekly, with all our body, heart, soul, mind, and strength. That time is here. That time is now i pray to god that we all commit and recommit and you know what the good news too is that god does mighty things when we do that like he gives this pastor an ox for a friend and by the way to somebody who's not be who wasn't being faithful three thousand years ago he gave he gave an well a donkey as a friend to this prophet who was not you know when when and, and when this prophet would not fulfill his own purpose in life he made this donkey talk to bring him back to his senses God does things like that when you and I commit I'm not I'm not promising you that you will have your own cult when you do what I'm telling you is that God does miraculous things surprising things great things when we stop searching and start committing because the search should have been over it's over it's plain as the noonday sun reveals it to us on a cloudless day our purpose is this now let's commit all of us all your heads with me as we pray lord god help us to commit to your eternal plan in our lives and thank you for revealing it to us or at least to some of us perhaps reinforcing it to us today search is over Lord and our purpose in life is clear give us the grace to commit daily to you to worship you to build relationships to serve daily weekly to the to the to the end of our days in Jesus name amen